700 footprints between your front porch and mine. We have 18 years to count them up in time. Welcome to this episode of The Art Box, recording from the 39th Annual Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Elko, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association provides creative opportunities for all ages. Get creative with us at the Mesquite Fine Arts Center, located at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartscenter.com or on Facebook, The Art Box. Since we saw you perform, we were in stitches back there. You have such an honest but yet humorous depiction of your life out there in North Dakota. That's right. And <laughs> even describe when you described your sister being a better mom than oh, you, yeah. we were like, oh my gosh, that's just hilarious. Oh, she's a thousand percent a better mom than me. Yeah. There's a lot of self-awareness that you have to have when you... <laughs> when you're a musician and you're writing about your life and sharing it in, in so many spaces and then also you know being on the ranch it humbles you so yeah I'm humbled by all the experience. <laughs> so tell us how you got to this ranch you explained yeah. a little bit during yeah. the show well I was like our yeah. listeners to hear that sure too. I was raised on a family ranch in western North Dakota right on the edge of the Badlands and for those of you who know, it's near Watford City, North Dakota. The ranch is right on the edge of the Fort Berthold uh, Indian Reservation. It's where my dad was raised. And he came back. Of course, he left home. He wanted to stay on the ranch. But his dad, uh, when he graduated from high school, told all his kids to go get an education because it was a really hard life. It was hard to make it. And he didn't want that for his kids. So he did. My dad went on and got his education and met my mom across the state. But when his dad died, then we moved back home. He brought all the kids home. They had done a stint there where he thought he could make it. And I was so I was born at, at the ranch or in that community but had to leave when times are tough. So anyway, um, and it wasn't that much easier in the 90s when I was raised there in a really small community of 1,200 people. I went to a country school about 15 miles from our home. So when I left, that was the same story. Tell these young kids to leave because it's, it's tough to make a living. But the oil industry changed all of that. And um, in about 2010, everyone from across the universe was coming to Watford City, Mackenzie County, Western North Dakota because of hydraulic frack. And we had a chance to be there too. Because my husband, who I grew up with, he was getting a psychology degree. <laughs> He's Thank like, I'll oh, just go in the oil field. <laughs> um, so he went and worked for an oil company, and I just toured and lived on the ranch. And we've just kind of been building up what it means for us to be there ever since. So we've been home almost over 12 years, and I've been writing about what that means in a weekly column for our newspapers in that region, and then, of course, in the music. So. Yeah. And you have children. I do. Wild kids. I have two daughters. Um, they're eight and six right now. So, yeah, both at 
I thought I had a longer time for them to be embarrassed of me, but they're embarrassed of me right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> my oldest came out of the womb. I think she was criticizing my hair. So yeah. <laughs> so they keep me humble and uh, they like to sing and ride and we keep them close. And uh, then of course my little sister, this is just the sign of the times, the economy. I mean, we can't even believe it. we're so grateful. She moved in a house on the, over the hill. And so she's raising her two little daughters um, who are four and six. So we have little girls that run to see each other. And we just kind of, I mean, we're aunt, moms, you know, whatever. We just kind of raise each other's kids. And it's a blessing. It's incredible. They have the best life, I tell them. I say, like, in the olden days, it wasn't. <laughs> so they'll ask me, well, did you have the phone in the olden days? And yeah, they want to know. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> And you said sometimes your sister calls you oh, just yeah. to let you know. Well, right, because that. now they're old enough, right? So we have this road, and I think that was what I was telling the story about this mm-hmm. song I called, we, uh, I just wrote called We Are Home. It's on the new album. And it's that vision of sisterhood and like the, the connection that you have to the people in your lives that you've known since before you were born, before you had memories. And I had this image of these little girls who, you know, my girls are growing up, they're becoming much more independent. But I would walk the cut across trail with them to meet my sister with her little girls ever since, you know, we had these babies. Ever since one was in a pack or one was strolling or one I'm dragging in the wagon or one's picking up rocks and throwing them. But this little path between the two houses is so symbolic. And I get choked up thinking about it. We, I know Alex, my little sister, feels the same way. There's something about watching your kids run to each other and like they're so happy to see each other so I have that's what the song is about is that connection but I laugh because now my girls are old enough to like go there by themselves right and so I'll be working at the house and Alex will call well they're supposed to ask but you know and then they're they're not perfect (laughs) imagine (laughs) they don't a kid doesn't listen and she'll call and be like your kids are over here did you know that like um, nope, I didn't notice they were gone. <laughs> like, yeah, did you feed them lunch? Um, no, well, I'm making them pizza. So yeah, she has a little more thumb on her kids, but yeah, anyway, so we, they love, they love their aunt and, um, we just, and she is a big reason that I can do this, that I can travel. And my dad's with me, my husband, you know, and him ranch together and Alex is on the place. Uh, my mom's down the road. So we just really do a lot of those things together. So that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Really great. How big is the ranch that you're talking We run on about 3000 acres. Oh, so, wow. you know, it's interesting. It's different up there and it's different ranching and how much, you know, your land, how much herd a land can, ha- land can handle. We have, a lot of lush grass really short you know summer and growing season but really can condense a lot of animals into a, a smaller pasture land and we rotational graze so that we keep the landscape healthy and that about you know run about 150 100 to 200 head of cattle there but yeah it can be smaller than and they always graze on your land not yeah yeah okay. <laughs> they do uh, unless they get into the neighbors <laughs> okay. well we yeah. ask because we have free range oh in interesting a lot, so. yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah but there's a little bit of you know if you have the contract with um, public land you can graze on public land so our neighbors have land uh and then they lease public land and then we lease uh, some land from our neighbors that's been the agreement for several 
years, you know, years and years, we've always leased the, the couple um, pastures from neighbors and things. So yeah, we the land is in my dad's name and his sister and brother own it. And then we're the next generation taking that over and what that's gonna look like. We're in the process of what that is, but right now we're ranching with dad. And then my husband is a carpenter. He um, runs a contracting business and ranches. And then, so he's flexible so I can, you know, I have wear a lot of hats in our community. I run an arts organization there. And then I am a writer and then I do this. I travel and sing. So yeah, it all is connected. But. And your dad played the harmonica. Yeah, he did. That <laughs> was did. so cool when yeah. you invited him up to stay yeah. on the stage and you guys yeah. play, perform oh, together. You know what I felt so good so. about it. He played a harmonic, but it was really in the background. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't in your face harmonica. Yeah. Good. That's what we wanted. It was yeah. Just it just yeah. fit in with you singing. And, yeah, we sing. Yeah. Uh, that song was a. It's called Red Barns and People Get Old. It's kind of his mother's song. So um, a lot of what I write is, um, of course, you write what you know. And I've learned traveling when I was younger. You were trying to hone your craft. You're trying to figure out where it is you want to be. And a lot of people would say, like, go to Nashville or go to L.A. or try out for American Idol when I was younger. And I was, like, not finding connection in other places and other stories. When I was away and traveling, I wanted to write. And I would write about being lonesome for the place, you know. And so when I would be back there, that's it was kind of my muse. And the characters on the place are as well. And when you live back in a place that raised you, that raised other people I'm fourth generation it's been there 110 years in your family's name anyway yeah there's so much I say memories that haunt you but oftentimes they're not your own memories they're memories from other people that lived there that left their legacy or left the problems behind or left the mess or left the idea that we would be trying to make this work all these generations later that's such an interesting story for me in terms of agriculturalists, farmers and ranchers, how you, that story of how you keep the land productive, how you manage family, there's a lot of drama in that story. And there is a lot of drama in community building and rural living too. And so it's just like for me, there's a story around every corner and I don't think that they're small stories. I think that they're stories that need to be told. And I think that we as artists and musicians need to be held tight in our communities and raised up and given the encouragement to stay where we are. We need to pay them, we need to give them jobs, we need to give them a space to create because if we're sending out all of our artists to the coasts, to the big cities to tell our story, who do we have to tell our stories that we're living amongst? So that's really been one of my big goals with running a little arts organization in a rural community didn't have one but my job is to make sure they have a voice and that we have a place for them that we have a place for them to develop their skill that we have money for them that we can say this is a place because we're right on the edge of the badlands it's beautiful it's inspiring i want artists and musicians to know that they can be here and we appreciate and respect them and we want them here. We need artists in small communities. And that's what I love about this gathering is that we all come from all of our neck of the woods, all our little corners of the country with our stories. And a lot of it is cowboy stories, of course, but there's the female perspective like we had Thursday night. That's a little bit different. And they allow space for that. And I think that 
mean makes people feel welcome at the table that we're our stories might be of ranching or raising kids in you know agricultural community but still we're all mothers or we're all fathers or we all can connect with that generational thing but Elko and the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering is saying we respect you and we want you to tell these rural stories and here here's a stage and what a wonderful thing it's just a blessing to be here because that's exactly what I've been doing my whole life so and your the show was such a hit oh yeah we had so much there was so much humor and strength and support Mm -hmm. for each other yeah we kind of had the generations up there so that was cool yeah you mentioned telling stories Steve and I noticed your book in the gift shop oh yeah and I read one of the stories Mm -hmm. and you had your grandmother's cinnamon roll recipe (laughs) apple pie recipe your writing is really really good thank you even though I wasn't raised on the ranch Mm -hmm. I could feel the same kind of feeling. This is about Good. raising children and mm-hmm. supporting them and, mm-hmm. and your life of telling your story mm-hmm. and supporting your family. We really... <laughs> no, it's okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> we really enjoyed that. that. We I appreciate really that. I think that what I've found, now I'm, you know, I have two kids. I'm in the middle of my life. I just turned 40. Um, you spend a lot of time as an artist trying to figure out where your place is. And I feel, and you know, that's just growing up in adulthood. But I feel like I found my place in the storytelling. You know, I have to write about it every week as part of my job. And so it makes you walk around your life with your eyes open a little bit more for a story, number one, so you can meet the deadline. But then also a little bit gives you a little bit more time to reflect and have some gratitude in spaces where maybe you wouldn't have gratitude. So I do write a lot about things that go wrong, (laughs) you know, and when you can sit down and reflect on, you know, getting stuck in the snow on the way to school and like that's the only thing my kids remember about their childhood is me, all of my, you know, mistakes that I make. (laughs) Seems like they just keep bringing those up. Seventy, it's still happening. It's still happening. I'm like now so you can, oh, now you can. Your eight and six, these are going to be core memories. Why can't they be of like me taking you to the swimming pool? No, it's mom getting stuck and having to get pulled out by dad, and then grandpa, and then the uncle. They all three had to come and get me in. Oh gosh. So they remember that. I think that it's our our duty as artists to be honest and open. And um, I kind of just lay it all out there, mostly because I can't not. You know, if I'm going to do this. And I've been, you know, that that book is a little bit older. I, I'm due for a new update because now I have another child and it's been a while. But I think um, if you can't be honest, then why write? You know, like what what's this? Here? I want to know like this. I want to know people's hardships and struggles. And we've had certainly enough of them when it comes to trying to build a family. Have, you know, we went through a major health scare. I had cancer. All of these things that maybe as Midwesterners as, as I was raised to maybe shove those underneath the table and say everything's fine. It's all fine. It's good. We got this handled. I learned through some of this, you know, issues and things that you go through. It's life that if you can share that with people, they don't feel as alone. And I certainly found that in my, we had some infertility struggles and then, well, the cancer and my dad being sick and Chad lost, you know, got laid off jobs in the oil field. It's life. If you hold it close and don't speak it, then no one can learn from you and vice versa. Like, this is why we tell our stories so we can make other people feel like they're not alone and we can support each other. So I've just approached my writing that way. And a lot of times, yeah, if you can laugh at it, it's easier to get through it sure. too. So. 
And yeah. you're a young person to have cancer, so yeah. that had to be really... Well, that story is wild, and it's related to Elko, actually. Because in 2020, really? I was here, and I was so sick. And I had been dealing with a breathing issue, but they couldn't figure out what it was. And if I was talking to you, I would be like having to sit up and like really try to catch my breath. And I talk fast, and so then I was like, you know, I would kind of like wheeze. And, but I could still sing. So I recorded an, my Playing Favorites album during that time, but I was just struggling with my breathing so much. And on the plane to Elko in 2020, right before everything shut down, I got the flu as well. So, But I didn't know what was going on with me, and I was struggling breathing. And I got here and got over the flu, but still couldn't breathe. So every time I did a performance, I would go to the emergency room and get a breathing treatment, like steroids, oh and then gosh. I would come on stage. And I shouldn't have been here. And then when I got home, because I remember one of the emergency room doctors was like, I don't know what this is, but it's serious, and you need to figure this out when you get back. And when I got back, long story short, I found out that I had a blockage above my where my lungs uh, dissect 90% in one lung and almost 100% in the other. So I had been breathing through like a fingernail-sized um, airway. And singing. And singing and chasing oh the kids. My, my kids were two and four. So you're just in life and thinking, this isn't anything. So I, when I went and got the diagnosis, I was like, I'll be right, I'll be back. They'll give me some medicine. And, mm -hmm. and I wound up taking, um, my husband came and I had to go to Mayo Clinic to get that take like immediately, it was, a, it was an emergency. And then you don't know if you're gonna they're gonna take your voice or whatever. It was a really scary time once I saw the picture. I'm like, oh, that's what it is. It was like, there's your lungs and there's that tumor sitting right wow. on top of it. So they wound up getting it out at Mayo Clinic with a scope. And then I came back a couple, like a month later, but I wanted to get branding done because I knew I was gonna be laid up and I, it's my favorite time of year. I felt way better. They got most of it out with a scope, easy. But then they had to cut me open, my chest open. And this is what they did. They took my airway apart and scraped the tumor off of the airway that you can't make new airway. So they got as much as they could Turns out they got all of it, and then they sewed my airway back together. Can you oh imagine that goodness. they can do that? It was incredible wow. that they could do it. And I was, they were there for bypass, like you, they just didn't really know how it was gonna go. Chad asked about my voice, I didn't even care. I was like, as long as I can be here for my kids, I, sure. I, if I can't ever talk, it probably, my husband probably like, oh God, <laughs> are you sure you don't wanna take her voice? <laughs> um, but I, I can sing and I think it changed my voice a little bit. When I did the new album, I can tell, but it might just be that I'm older, but yeah, I'm really lucky, so. Thank yeah. you for sharing that story yeah. with us. And oh my gosh, you, you look so healthy. Kicking so still, yeah. You're doing so much. That's what's yeah. amazing. You're a musician. You're a writer. You had your arts organization. Yeah. You work on your ranch. Mm -hmm. That's phenomenal. It all kind of goes together. But yeah, you get. I think that also helps you get better, right? Like I don't want to miss anything. So I, I still struggle. I'll be honest with um, some chronic pain that came with the surgery that you're trying to kind of still work out. Um, so that'll take me down. It means I can't be out in Elko till four in the morning. Like I have to really like be here and present with my health or I'll lose my voice or I'll have a headache and I won't be on. Um, but also I'm 40, so I guess that also happens or you can't stay out till two in the morning and live through it. <laughs> Dang it. Um, but anyway, I'm really lucky. I go have scans every six months, so they have to keep looking at it. But I leaned on my community and they took care of me and um, I just had more to do. So, sure. yeah.
you're, you're quite the hero. Yeah, yes, and, she and is. I hope your kids know that. Well, they will. <laughs> I try to Even tell them. they'll remember the stuck in the snow. <laughs> I, once I, this summer, I saved a baby bird from a tree. No, it was a bird. It had its, um, it wasn't a baby bird. That would be more dramatic even. But I had to climb up a ladder that I put on the back of the pickup. Oh, we tell you. Oh, no. <laughs> because we were walking, uh-huh. you don't have to, you can cut all of this, but I have to tell you. <laughs> oh, no, this is a good story. We'll leave so it we in. were doing that walk, like I was talking about, going to my sister's, and I heard on our way back with all the girls, this we have all these oak trees, and way up in one of the oak trees by my house, this bird had got its legs wrapped around a piece of twine, and it was stuck to the tree and trying to flap, and, and it was stuck way up there. Of course, the girls see it, and then they're like, you have to save this bird. And I'm like cussing under my breath, like, do I really have to save this? What am I going to do? Yeah. And Alex was, I was taking the kids so she could do something. I texted her. I'm like, you're going to have to come help me with a bird situation. And of course, she didn't ask any questions. She just gets in her side by side, like, what's the bird situation? I So Chad wasn't home. And I backed the pickup up to the tree and then put his big ladder in the pickup. And I don't know, you have these three little, four little girls staring at you like, there's a bird, go get it. Like, you say I'm a hero. This is why I think I'm a hero. They don't care, though. So <laughs> so I remind them of the story, and they're, like, rolling their eyes. So I get a glove. I'm scared of heights. I hate heights. Oh, I live wow. on the plains, man. I'm staying on the ground. But my girls are looking, and this bird is suffering, and it's just freaking out. Att- you can visualize it attached to the branch. And I've got my scissors and so Alex gets in the back, the girls are looking, and um, then the dogs come. <laughs> of course, Uh-oh. they're like, so I'm like, you just hold this ladder, and then I get up to like the top of the ladder, and I'm like, I don't know if I can All do another. Eyes are on you. I don't know if I can go up another rung. And my little sister, who's like competitive, she's like, if you're gonna do it, you just commit to it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I get up and I grab the branch and I get the bird kind of in the gloved hand and pull it down we cut it free but i held it because i saw i was like okay now what's going to happen is it going to like drop to the ground and then the dogs are going to eat it and it's going to be one of those like terrifying (laughs) core memories yes yes. so then i show it to the girls and then we're like dogs go home whatever and then i'm like okay let it go please fly please fly please fly and it flew off and i was like tell everybody what i just did (laughs) but they're like impressed for five minutes and then they go on with their merry way. <laughs> then they go on and yeah, think about being stuck yeah, in the snow. Exactly. They re- they'll fun. probably not remember that, but I was proud of myself anyway. <laughs> that's a great story, and I think that's one to share in the future with us Sure. Song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a hero I am. <laughs> Jesse, so all of your work, all the hats you wear, where do you find time to write hmm. and in the in-between moments, I took a lot of my alone time for granted before I had kids, you know. I was 30, how old was I, 34 when I had my first baby. So I had a lot of time to kind of hone my craft, and not by choice, but that's the way it worked. I do it in the in-between spaces. I used to have to have it so quiet, and I used to have to have, you know, the day to create, and that's not realistic anymore. I have no. a deadline, you know, it's just not. So I've learned to kind of, like I wrote my column on our on the trip up here, on the road to the airport, and I really take my laptop, take my writing, take everything on my back, and I'm all over the place, and I just take it with me. With this new album, I didn't think I would write another one. I didn't know if I had the music, the songs in me still, because I hadn't, 
had those quiet spaces. I had the column weekly thing that I had to do. But some of those stories are songs. And I decided, oh, I had written a song about my daughters that I really wanted out there. And then once I decided I had a song, then I just went from there and made it a priority to dig some old ones up. And you just prioritize it. But also, I think it's the only thing I can do. Like, I have to write about it. I think that's my therapy, and I think that's my way of dealing with the world. So then it comes in those little moments where you get a five minutes or hour before they wake up or hour after they go to bed or, you know, a lot of driving time. You mean they're not crawling into bed with mom and dad? Well, yeah, they are. They absolutely are. My husband will put Rosie to bed, who's the youngest, and then he will think he's going to get up, but he never does. And so he's always sleeping fully clothed like in his like boot you know he takes boots off but his jeans and his belt and how can you sleep all night like that but you know they're only little for so long so enjoy every second yeah we do yeah i mean let me be real not every second but (laughs) let's just be honest here i know i said that when i had cancer you know when you said i was a hero i just kind of like shudder a little bit and i appreciate that comment but what i want to be clear about is like when you're going through things that suck, like, oh, I'm going through my life, I have cancer now, then people all of a sudden look at you a little bit like, oh, you're really fighting this or you're really brave. And uh, and you want to take that in and believe them. But I struggled with that a little bit because, A, you have no choice, you know, and B, there's so many people that didn't live through what I lived through or struggling to just, you know, get that get through the day or get to the next day. Cancer can be a real beast that way. I was like one of the lucky ones that had a chance to cut it out of you and then it's gone. And so there was a little bit of guilt with that phrase that was on me, I felt. And then also like when you're going through your life and you, you have cancer, but you still have to like do life, right? So like I have cancer and I'm fine, but I, I still am annoyed with my kids. You know, I still have like the same flaws that I had before. So the little bit of that like exalting, you know, people are fighting a battle. Um, I would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm not that great. <laughs> like this sucks really bad too, you know, sure this sucks and, and it's okay. And I only say that for those who are listening that might be going through something similar. I had a friend who had uh, diagnosed with a big brain tumor, terrible, four little kids. And she's a guidance counselor. And everyone, you know, of course, lifting her up and sending her all the love. And I just reached out to her and said, "You, I know you are scared and it is okay to be pissed and it's okay to be angry and you should be those things and don't let anyone tell you that you can't be. You can't be grateful for it all the time, but you should be grateful in those moments where you feel it, honestly. But don't be ashamed of being annoyed by your kids because you don't know if how it's all gonna turn out. Like you're still this human that's trying to figure out a complicated life with a bigger, like taking, like with the realization that it's yes. in your face that it could all end. Absolutely. And then that's a hard one. But I just wanna be honest. I remember walking up the hill cause the nature is really a refuge for me being outside, being on the horse, being within any hard thing that I've done. I go out and try to like, you know, that's heal me or whatever. But I remember having that moment where it was like, I don't think, why me? I don't think this is fair. 
what the hell, <laughs> you know? And then you yeah. do that and then go back to your life and do the best you can. But yeah, I mean, there's so many stories like that. I wanted to ask you about music yeah. as a child because you and your dad were playing together. So when did you start playing music and was it a family thing or just something yeah. that you are interested in? My dad is a musician, so he did it all his life. In high school, he had a band called Cherry Creek. <laughs> And then all through when I my mom was pregnant with, with me, he would play in bar bands. And so my mom would go and dance with the guys and he would play in bands. So it's kind of been a part of my life since I could remember. But he would play the, his guitar practice songs down in the basement and I was just curious about it all the time. So I would watch him and hear him sing and fall in love with the folk songs that he was listening to, like Harry Chapin and um, Lyle Lovett. Those are kind of the guys that would tell these, have these story songs. And for whatever reason, a seven-year-old version of me just really loved the characters in these folk songs. And so I was just drawn to that and wanting to write my own. I wanted, I knew how special my environment was, the ranch was, because we had been away for it, from it for a while, a little bit, until we moved back and I was in second grade. But even as a young kid, I like knew that it was special and if I could somehow recreate that or tell the story that was going to be the thing that I would try to do so I wrote poetry bad poetry when I was a kid I had he gave me a blank book and I just would write poems and then I picked up a guitar when I was about 11 or 12 and didn't get any formal training on it but just learned how to chord so and as soon as I could figure that out I was writing songs I was putting those lyrics to music and I've just been doing that ever since and it went from me standing alongside of dad singing like with him to vice versa where I would have a show and I, my first album I did when I was 16 original album we were gonna do a record just so we could get some jobs and um, some of the cover stuff that we would do and I just said to dad like well maybe like read let me play you the songs I've been writing which was like the most terrifying thing to do when you're 16. Like here I wrote these, they probably suck, but I believed in them. And he was like, you need to record those. And so I went to college with an, an original album under my belt that I toured on behalf of when I was in college. I did, I got a communication degree because always fall back on something was how I was raised and toured and music's paid the bills for me since then uh, a portion of them anyways <laughs> so wonderful yeah what a great story jesse do you write music to the lyrics or do you write lyrics to the music it used to be i would write a poem and then i would figure out how it would fit into something but now i do it at the same time i'll just do it at the same time yeah and sometimes it'll come to you an idea and like a phrase and then you'll find the tempo or like the mood or whatever the vibe you want but a lot of times it'll come to me when I'm walking or I'm out or I'm driving that momentum and then you sit and finish it off on the guitar so most of the time it's both both at the same time so, do yeah. you have a website I that do. you'd like to sure <laughs> I'm the only Jesse Veter so jessevetermusic.com is where my music lives I do have a podcast and where we just chat my husband and I about life on the ranch and I read the column and then the blog all my writing every week is on meanwhile back at the ranch and that's just veterranch.com okay and everything is I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all the places so yeah 
Steve will have to start listening to Meanwhile back at the ranch. Well, yes. you're professional. This yes, is not professional, but uh, we, we are not professional. <laughs> we're not either. But we're learning. Yeah, it's knowledge. a fun. You know, I listen to podcasts constantly. Well, I drive 30 miles to town every day and back, so 60 miles of driving. Podcasts are like the best, and I think a lot of people consume their their you know entertainment is podcasting and for chad and i it's like one of the only excuses we have to like sit down and actually talk to each other <laughs> otherwise they're like where are you going today where are you going okay yeah then we cross paths in the night as you do on your parents of young kids sure. so we enjoy it what do you do your podcast on do you do it on the cell phone yeah so i have this cool microphone called audio audio and it's kind of like this, it's a wireless one, and you just said, I used to have a whole system set up, and then we'd all both have a microphone, and that was just like, <laughs> setting that all up in the basement with the kids' gymnastics crap everywhere was not inspiring. So I'll do it like at the kitchen table. You can see we didn't bring our stuff. Yeah. Although could, we do have a studio now that someone else bought that's stuff. That's nice. So that's like, but this works good. Yeah. But also we found out this works good. See, yeah, my audio just connects right to the phone, so, and then you can edit it all however. Um, and I, yeah, we'll have to edit sometimes, but sometimes it's just raw, whatever we're, we're talking about. And sometimes we take it outside because the mic's so nice, it condenses. So yeah, then you can hear a little of the elements, which is kind of fun. We got run inside one because it started, wind started blowing as it does in North Dakota. And then you could really hear it. So anyway. It's kind of the fun. birds in the background of us. So good. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, thank you so much for spending time of with course. us, sharing a little bit about you. your story. That's so important to get that out. And I'm so thankful that there are young women here yeah. telling their stories. I am too, and I appreciate the opportunity. I was here for the first time a long time ago. It was before I had kids. It had to have been over 10 years ago. They gave a chance. I think the theme was younger generation and they gave me a chance. And I was, I don't know if I was ready for it or not, but I think it inspired me to that because I saw that there was a place for this type of music that I was wanting to write. And my music's not traditional. It's traditionally themed, but it's not traditional sound. It's not the traditional Western sound, but the theme is there. It's ranchy music. And there's other young people writing that way too. Young people that are younger than me. I'm not that young anymore, which I love. Like thematically, they're telling the story about the Western lifestyle, about rural living. They're doing it to their own tune and it's just wonderful. And I think they're inspired by things like this that lift it up and, and praise it and give it a stage, which is really important. So. Her music's really good, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Her Thank you. Her voice is very good. Yes. Music, good. her writing. Yeah, we had so much poetry. fun. We did. Good. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. I'll go. I'll keep on keeping on then. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Where do you want to live when you're old? I want to live on the ranch. Yeah. Well, she said she wants to live in Mexico. In Mexico? Yeah. I heard her say she wants to live in New York. <laughs> and I don't even think she knows anything about New York. <laughs> She can't live in New York. I'll have to go with my RV and visit her. <laughs> That's going to be a long drive. Uh -huh. It's going to be like two years. Yeah, it to takes get a long time to get to New York. All right, is there anything else you want to talk about? Mm -mm. No? Okay. Thanks for visiting with me. Yeah, thanks for visiting again with me, best mommy in the world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Later, Gator. Later, Gator. Bye-bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.
Today I want to share a piece that closes out my book, Coming Home. I wrote it when I was still in my 20s and our first year back here at the ranch. I was seeing this place through new eyes, realizing what time can do to us, clinging tight to the things that made me as I was discovering them again. Those gray hairs I talk about are pushing through strong, and I realize in the rereading, I didn't define what grown-up actually means. Is it now? Is it ever? When I grow up, I want to be the kind of woman who lets her hair grow long and wild and silver. When I'm grown, I hope I remember to keep my flannel shirts draped over chairs, hanging in the entryway and sitting on the seat of the pickup where they are ready and waiting for me to pull them on and take off somewhere. The scent of horsehair on the well-worn sleeve. When I grow up, I want to remember every spring with the smell of the first buds blooming on the wild plum trees. What this season means to me. When I grow up, I pray I don't forget to follow that smell down into the draws where the air falls cooler the closer you get to the creek and the wind is calm. When I grow up, I hope I don't find I have become offended by a bit of mud tracked from boots onto the kitchen floor. I hope I keep the windows open on the best summer evenings with no regard for the air conditioning or the dust, because a woman can only be so concerned with messes that can be cleaned another day, especially when she needs to get the crocuses and some water. When I'm older and my memory is full, I hope that the smell of damp hay will still remind me of feeding cows with my dad on the first warm day of spring, when the sun warmed the snow enough to make small rivers to run on our once frozen trail. I hope it reminds me how alive I felt wading in that stream while he rolled out the bale and I tested the limits of rubber on my boots. When my hair turns silver, I hope I remember that my favorite colors are the colors of the season changing from brown to white to green to gold and back again. I pray I never curse the rain and that I don't forget that next to the rosy flush in my baby's cheeks, rain is my favorite color of them all. Yes, when I'm old and my knees don't bend the way they need to bend to get me on the back of a horse, I hope I'm still able to bury my face in her mane, to run my hands across her back and lean on her body while I remember the way my spirits lifted as she carried me to the hilltops. I hope I recall how the first ride of spring made my legs stiff, my back creak, and my backside sore, even as a young woman with muscles and tall boots. Yes, boots. When I'm old, I hope I will wear my red wedding boots every once in a while, and remember how I stood alone in them out in the cow pasture as a young woman waiting for the horses and wagon to come up over the hill and take me to the oak tree where my friends and family gathered and the man I loved was waiting to marry me. My red boots will remind me. So in all the shuffle and lost things that become our lives, I hope I remember to save them. And as I watch lines form on my husband's face, little wrinkles around his eyes from work and worry, I hope I remember to say something funny, to tease him a bit, so I might be reminded again how we got the most important ones, the ones that run the deepest. Yes, when I I'm old and my hair is silver and long and wild. I hope those things that made me, the dirt turned to mud, a good man's laughter, the soft breath of my child asleep on my chest, the strong back of a horse, the rain that falls on the north buttes, and the scent of summer rolled up in a hay bale at the end of a long winter. I hope they will be there to see me out, happy and softened and weather just like the flannel I'll remember to leave draped over the chair. Couldn't wait to grow up 
I am the green guitar you used to play To sing yourself to sleep at night Don't say you can't remember what it's like I will leave the light on in case you pass
father's voice, your sister's bad attitude, your beating heart. I am the promises that have been made to hold on tight and we'll get Thanks to Jesse Veter for our music in this episode. The Artbox sponsors, thank you for listening. You can find us on Spotify and Amazon Music. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We welcome all comments. You can email us at artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Quiet songs, big ears, big heart. A girl needs a dog. <laughs>